war is a tragic thing. And years on from the Great World War and from the Second World War, we see that it still impacts lives. I remember my grandpa Paul said he, um, he went off to war during World War II. And he never really spoke about, about what happened. He didn't like to talk about it. And on the very odd occasion that he did talk about it, it was quite tragic and horrendous what he talked about. But he, he sort of internalized it and shut it off because of the things that he saw. And, you know, I think one of the greatest tragedies of war is for those who actually return. Because so often you find people who are living a life that is not a full life because they're scarred and damaged because of what they've seen. And I saw on um, the BBC this week um, a short clip about a place called Butterton, which isn't far from here. Um, it's about 20, 25 minutes from here. And it's a small village in Derbyshire, I think it is. And it's actually known as a thankful village. I don't know whether any of you saw this or know what that is. But a thankful village is a village or a city, which is probably more unlikely, where everybody came back from war. And they get the status, a thankful village. Now, in, during World War I, Butterton sent 15 people to war. And all 15 of them came back alive. During World War II, Butterton sent 14 people to war men and women included, and all 14 came back alive. So Butterton is doubly thankful. And that's, that's what they are. They have no war memorial apart from a poppy. They have no names written down because everybody came back from war, which is an amazing thing. And yet as this um, report went on, it began to talk about some of the men who came back from World War I and how really they never lived a life. Suffering from what we would now call post-traumatic stress, many of them lived alone or did peculiar things during the day and the night because of how they'd suffered from what had happened during the war. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about a similar theme. Because so often things can happen in our lives and we can live our lives, and yet sometimes we can find ourselves no longer living because of things that we've been through. And I've entitled this, morning mes this morning's message, When God Opens Our Graves. Sometimes the graves that we go to aren't the graves where people are laid in Flanders fields. Sometimes the graves that we go to are where we surrender our lives because we can no longer cope with living. Because maybe anxiety or fear or the past or darkness or financial hardship push us down and down, maybe regret and doubt, and we find ourselves no longer living, but really just in the grave of our life while we go about our day-to-day -day routine. And this is like those men who came from back from war. They were still alive, but they were no longer living. And sometimes we can be like that, maybe not in all areas of our lives, but maybe in certain areas of our lives, because of things that have gone on, we may find ourselves no longer living. And I believe that this morning, that God wants to open our graves. And he wants to bring new life. And he wants to bring resurrection power to us. And he wants to set us free. 
And you may sit there and think, I'm doing all right, actually. Do you know what? There's always something in our lives where God wants to bring something new and fresh. There's always something where God wants to birth something new within us. There's graves within each of us if we will only look and be honest about where we're at and then allow God in to bring new life into them. You know, and I believe there are two different types of graves. There are things in our lives that die. So maybe we've had a dream that that one day that I was going to do this or this thing was going to happen and it just didn't really work out and that dream has died within us. Maybe we were hoping, hoping for a relationship, hoping for that new job, hoping that things would change and be better and that hope has gradually faded and died within us. Maybe we've trusted and things have gone wrong and so we no longer trust anymore and trust has died within us. Maybe our hopes for the future, the future that we planned and dreamed on has died within us. Maybe the belief in that relationship that we were hoping for has just taken its toll and fizzled away and is no longer alive within us. Maybe our own self-belief and self-worth that, that I can and I can do this and I am a good person and that I am someone to, I'm just okay. Maybe that has died within us and we can no longer look at ourselves in a positive way. That's one sort of death that can happen within us. And when those things die within you, God wants to bring new life to them. God wants to resurrect you. Sometimes in our lives, there are things that need to die. There are things that need to be placed on the altar. Maybe it's ambition. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's doing things in our own strength. And God wants us to put these things on the altar. And it's a good thing that they die. But sometimes we can go kicking and screaming and we don't want those things to die. You know, John 10.10 in the Passion Translation says this. A thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter and destroy. But I, Jesus, I have come to give you everything, everything in abundance. More than you expect Life in its fullness until you overflow. overflow. Everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. God doesn't want to leave you where you are. God doesn't want to leave you in your grave. God doesn't want to leave you in that place where you think, I can't do it anymore. God doesn't want to leave you in that place where you think, this is the end of this for me now. God doesn't want to leave you there. God wants to resurrect you from that place where darkness has covered you. God wants to bring life. Where fear has overtaken you, God wants to bring love. Where your past has pushed you away, God wants to say, there's a future in me. Where anxiety has crushed you to the the smallest version of you that there has ever been. And let me tell you, there is so much anxiety in today's society and God wants to raise you from the grave that that puts you in so that it no longer has a hold on you, so that it no longer stops you from being who you're called to be and the future that God has for you. God doesn't want to leave you there. God doesn't want to leave you in your regret of what you did. But he wants to say there's forgiveness and there's a new day. God doesn't want to leave you in your doubt. But he wants to lift you from that place and bring you to a place of faith. God doesn't want to leave you there. And I want to read to you from a scripture in Ezekiel. 
And it's quite a well-known scripture, but I'm only going to read the end of it. It's, it's a scripture that it's entitled, The Valley of Dry Bones. And, and Ezekiel is, was an Old Testament prophet, and God used to speak to him in visions and different things. And he would then talk to the Israelites and tell them what God was saying. And this was one of the things that God showed him. He showed him this vision of a big valley full of dry bones. And then God began to build the dry bones up into a body and then put sinews and flesh on them until they became a full body. And then God breathed into them and they were alive and they were a mighty army. And then it goes on from that. And this is where I'm picking it up in Ezekiel 37. He says, and it's talking about God. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. How often are we like that? How often do we say, oh, all my hope is gone. I'm just dried up. I'm washed out. It's all over. It says, therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up for them, I will put my spirit in you and, I will, and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. How amazing is that, that God wants to raise you up from your grave. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to live with you and he wants to settle you down. And then now let me read you this. This is from Matthew 27. This is the weirdest couple of verses of the Bible I think there are. And I've never heard anyone preach on it because I think it is so peculiar. Let's have a go. And we join the account where Jesus is actually on the cross and at the point where he dies. And it goes on. It says, and then Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You don't get this with the Easter story, do you? Then the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. I've read that chapter many, many times. And I was reading my, my one-year Bible, and I read it the other week. And I was like, what is that verse about? What is it about that tombs were broke open and people got up and walked around the city? What is that about? I believe that is about God wanting to open our graves. And that God wants to say to us, no matter how dead you feel, no matter how lost it's been, no matter how far away it's gone, there is new life in Jesus. There is new life through his death and resurrection. And he can raise you from whatever depth of death you feel like you're at this morning. God wants to open your graves. And we need to come to a place where we see resurrection and change in our lives. 
And you know, it talked in John 10, 10 at the beginning about, about the enemy comes to steal, slaughter, and destroy. You know, when you've been stolen from, and when you feel like you've been slaughtered, and when you feel like you've been destroyed, I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not the end. God has not finished yet. You have not hit the end when that happens. But God, from that place, wants to open your graves and raise you back to life. Sometimes we have to accept the areas where we're dead and recognize them and say, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on in my life. And we need to understand that sometimes God needs to resurrect us and bring us back to life. And sometimes God needs to do a metamorphosis within us and bring change and newness to us. And we have to acknowledge that we need God's help in this. We have to let him in. We have to hear his voice. When we read the story of Lazarus in the Bible, it talks about Lazarus dying and Jesus not going for a couple of days and him being placed in the tomb. But what did Lazarus do? He heard the voice of Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. This morning, if you can hear the voice of Jesus, then you can be raised from the place where you are. Expect the unexpected. I've got another strange one for you. 2 Kings 13. Elisha died. Elisha was an amazing prophet in the Old Testament. He did miracles. He performed wonders. But he died. And he was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body onto Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. So somebody who was dead raised somebody else back to life because in his dead bones was more life, was more life. I want to encourage you this morning. Sometimes you may feel... I've had enough. There's nothing left in me. God, in your place of nothingness, there is more life in you to bring resurrection power to yourself and to others if you will only trust in God. Resurrection life is just evangelistic. It screams of the good news of God. And when God resurrects within us, when God brings new life within us, it tells everybody of the good news. The centurion said, surely he was the son of God because he saw the resurrection of people just coming out of the tombs and walking around Jerusalem. What a weird sight that must have been. It's like everyone walking around with the grave clothes on. And what's that about? Very bizarre. You know, and sometimes we've just got to change our perspective. We need to change our perspective and think, I need resurrection life in me. Sometimes it's not resurrection life. It's not new life. It's change that we need. And it's understanding the difference because that helps us to understand the process. Richard Bark says this. What the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly. Sometimes when your world feels like it's coming to an end, when everything feels like it's finished and done, it's at that point that God does something amazing. 
and brings new life and changes things into something that you never believed or expected would come. So this morning, if you feel like your world's ending, if you feel like there's nothing else left, then that's what the master calls creating a butterfly. And he's got something new and something fresh for you today. So going from the Matthew scripture where it talked about Jesus dying on the cross and, and people coming out of the grave, I just want to give us some practical tips to help us to understand the process of um, resurrection life. I think the biggest problem on the journey that we have as Christians is God wants to take us on a journey from glory to glory, yes? He wants to take us on a journey where he does something new and something fresh. He breathes his resurrection life within us. He breathes new life within us, yes? But very often, we get off the journey because we don't understand the process to resurrection life. And when we don't understand the process, the journey, like for the caterpillar, can seem scary and dark and like the end of the world. And yet God wants to take us on this process towards resurrection life. And if we only understand the practical steps that that takes to go on that journey, then we will stay the course of it and God will do something new and fresh in us. So I've got four practical tips for you this morning of taken from Matthew 27 of what that process and it's not the whole process I'm sure there is much more that we could say but just a quick whistle top stop tour of the process of resurrection life the first one is this let the light shine into your secret places it said in Matthew 27 that the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom you know that curtain was there in front of the Ark of the Covenant, which was actually no longer there because it had been taken. It was no longer in place. And so what happened when that curtain was removed, it showed the reality of where Israel was at. Israel no longer had the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was represent representative of the presence of God being with Israel. So the curtain being drawn showed everyone, well, actually, no, the ark isn't here anymore, and where is God's presence? Sometimes God wants to shine his light into our secret places, into our depression, into our sin, into our fear, into our anxiety, into our financial struggles, into our relational difficulties, and say, this is the reality of where you're at. Let's lay it out. Let's be open and honest about it. Because as we are honest and open about where we're at, as God lays us bare, then from that place, resurrection life can come. So when you feel like God's stripping you bare, when you feel like everything of all of your mess within you that you don't want anyone to know about or anyone to see is just everywhere for everyone to see, it's at this point that God's wants to bring resurrection life out to you. Stay the journey with him. Keep bringing him into it. Keep asking him to help you. Keep praying. Keep asking people to pray for you. Ask for wisdom. Go to your small group and share where you're at and ask people to pray for you. Let God into your secret places because as you do, resurrection life will come. The second thing is this. Let God shake you to the foundations says in Matthew 27 that the earth shook. There was a shaking. 
There was a shaking when Jesus died. And from that resurrection, life came. Sometimes God wants to shake us to our foundations. All those things, God wants to shake them. God wants to shake those broken dreams, those relationships. All of those things, God wants to bring a shaking to them. And from that point, say, actually, resurrection life can come. The next one is this. It says the rocks split open and the tombs were open. Let God break your old foundations. We put foundations in our lives. Sometimes they're good and they're solid. Sometimes they're from fear or to protect ourselves. And God wants to break your foundations so that he can rebuild you again. Where you're built upon fear, where you're built upon guarding yourself, where you're built upon pride, God wants to shake and break that ground so he can rebuild you again, so that you can go again and build strong. The fourth one is this, let God overflow you. When the curtain was broken, that was it, God was out. God had been put in his box and put in his place. But when that curtain was ripped open, God was like, I am coming out and there is nothing stopping me. But for him to come out, there had to be a ripping. And sometimes when God overflows you, when you begin to let God out of you, it's not always a, an easy process. It can be a painful process. But God wants to overflow from you. So it's not happening in our way or how we think it should. But God's coming out of you in the way he thinks is best. It says the holy people were raised and walked around. God wants to overflow you. God wants to bring things out of you that you never expected were coming out. God wants to bring things out of you that you thought were dead and buried long ago. And he wants to raise them up and allow them to walk around in your life and in your relationships and bring something new and fresh. God wants to overflow you. And I believe if we can understand these practical steps, then it will help us to stay the course of the journey for resurrection life. Don't quit on God when he's in the middle of taking you through a process. If the caterpillar suddenly gets out of the cocoon, there's going to be no butterfly. There's just going to be a big old mess where God's been changing him and shaping him and molding him. God wants to, you to stay the journey with him because he's got something amazing and beautiful to do in and through you. So this morning I've got three things for you. These are the last three things. I've got four things in really quickly before. But three things that I believe God does when he brings us up out of our graves. And these three things I've taken from the Ezekiel scripture. It's worth staying the journey. It's worth keeping going with God. It's worth continuing and going through the difficulty and the times you think, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just don't want to carry on this Christian journey anymore. I just don't think I'm going to bother anymore. I think I'm just going to go home and do other things on a Sunday. Stay the journey with God. Because when God brings you up from your graves, wow, he does some amazing things. The first one is this, God refreshes you. It's said in Ezekiel that God wants to pour his spirit out on us. And when God's spirit is poured out on us, there is refreshing that comes with us. You know, we get dry because things that 
are refreshing to us leave us quicker than we get refreshed again. It's like water on a leaf. A leaf will get dry because water leaves the leaf quicker than the water that is being replenished to the leaf. So the leaf will dry up. And it's the same with our lives. If we're not being refreshed, if something's not coming into us, then we will begin to shrivel and dry up. But God wants to refresh you. And that is part of the journey of resurrection life. I remember as a teenager going to um, Egypt with my parents and my sister. And we went and visited the pyramids. And then we went into Cairo and we went and visited Cairo Museum. And at the time, I was completely obsessed with archaeology and with Egypt. And I used to buy books about Egypt and read them. Then they made no sense to me. But I was looking for some secret within them that I could find. And I just had this big, exciting thing go on about Egypt. And I'd go and be a brilliant archaeologist and discover all of these things. And then I realized archaeologists wore really sad knitted jumpers. And so I just moved away from that idea. But at the time, we went to Cairo Museum and... There was no air conditioning in Cairo Museum. It is August. It is hot. And our tour guide was taking us round and we saw Tutankhamun and some different things. And it was amazing. And, um, there was, and you could see the more we walked around, the more people were flagging in the heat. And I was just so excited. And I was like, I can't stand any closer to the tour guide as we're walking around. And I didn't really care where my parents or my sister are. And I'm so excited. We're in Egypt. We're in Cairo Museum. Give me knowledge. Give me something. And people are flagging and drinking water. And there's none left. And they're just. And, and the tour guide in the end said, I'm going to cut the tour short because it's so hot. And I was just like, seriously? Just, just suck it up, people. Come on. And you know, sometimes you've got to take care of yourself. Sometimes the thing that we want to do becomes more important than us being refreshed as an individual. And that's not God. God never pushes us to the limit that he breaks us. God takes us on a journey of strengthening us and growing us. But God never takes us to the point where we're completely dry and broken. And if you feel like you're at that point, it's then when you need to stop and take care of yourself and think, is this really right? Why am I doing this? Why am I pushing for this? Because I know a God who wants to flood you and soak you and saturate you until, like it said in John John, John 10, 10, until you're overflowing if you're not overflowing, then there's something not quite right. You've got to come back to it and find God. You've got to take care of yourself again. You've got to make sure that there's more going in than is going out. And that's the heart of God. So what do we do? We assess. We take stock. We listen to wisdom. Because sometimes we can think, oh, I'm dying of death. And it's like, no, you're just not drinking your water. It's there. Drink your water. Carry on. You're fine. But sometimes it's like, no, you seriously need to stop. That's enough. Listen to some wisdom. Ask for some advice. And ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. God wants to refresh you. God wants to put his spirit within you. God wants to fill you afresh. The second thing that he does when he brings us from our graves is this. 
God gives you hope. God brings light in those circumstances and situations. In Ezekiel, the people of Israel said, we are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. God doesn't want them to be dried up. He wants to refresh them. He wants to refresh you. God doesn't want you to say there is no hope, but he wants you to know that he gives you hope, that God doesn't leave you where you are. And hope comes from knowing who God is. And when we know who he is, that he's kind, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he never leaves us or forsakes us, then we know that God can keep us going in through all things. Psalm 130 says this, verses 5 and 6. This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. There's hope. There is hope in your circumstances and situations. When you feel yourself saying, I've got no hope, there is hope because of who God is, because of what he brings. There is hope. Jeremiah 29 verses 10 to 13 says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Don't give up. It's so easy to give up and stop believing and think, oh, it's just done. That's just the end. It's over. I remember as a child, we used to holiday in Cornwall. And one year, um, we'd, we'd had an Araby. Anyone know what I mean by one of them? It's like, it's like a round frisbee thing, but you can bend them so they go a certain way. And you bend them up for one way and down for another way. Never could quite figure it out. But when you threw the thing, why it went some. If you've not got one, which I'm quite sure quite a lot of you haven't from the response, Google it, get one, they're brilliant. But we had an Arabie, and we were, we'd gone down onto the beach, and we were throwing it. And I'm sure it wasn't me, but my sister, but who knows, had bent it the wrong way, and we'd thrown it, and it had gone into the sea, like a really long way. And the tide was in, and we were like, oh, and I think I cried, and I think my sister cried. And so my dad then spent the next hour sitting on the beach, waiting for the tide to go out. Stupid, eh? Why would you sit? If, if my kids had thrown the Araby that we actually have into the sea, I would not sit on the beach for an hour in the hope that when the tide went out, the thing would be there. Surely not. It wasn't a ten-ton weight that it was going to sink to the bottom. Anyway, an hour later, it comes back to the cottage, Araby in hand. <laughs> Smug as anything. It got caught on a rock, hadn't it, in the sea? And he'd sat there, and we were like, we thought he was crazy. We thought he was out of his mind, sitting there, waiting to get this Araby as the tide went out. We thought, surely not. Never. And yet, back he comes, with this Araby in hand. There is always hope. In the darkest of circumstances, in the surely notest of all things, there is always hope. God does the unexpected. 
when you can throw a man onto the bones of a prophet and he jumps back up alive, there is always hope for something new and something fresh to come. Don't give up. Keep believing. Keep hoping. What was the last thing they said? They said this. They said we're dried up, our hope is gone, and we're cut off. What does God want to do? God wants to connect you. God doesn't want you to be cut off. That's not God's heart or God's will for you. And as he brings resurrection life to you, he wants to connect you. He doesn't want you to be a wandering nomad anymore, but he wants to connect you and hold you and love you and bring you back to the land, it said, that he promised you. And then you will know that I am your God. And we talk a lot in this church about being together and the importance of it. We'll encourage you to get involved in small groups, to join a team so that you feel connected, so that you don't feel alone. We will encourage you to do those things. But he says he wants to settle you in your own land. How many of us, though, are not even settled in ourselves first? God wants us to be settled in ourselves And when we're not settled in ourselves, then we just get pulled from pillar to post. We'll do things and we'll create things and we'll do opportunities and get involved in things because we feel like it connects us. But actually, God wants to settle us first within ourselves. Mark Twain says this, the worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. The worst loneliness is to not be comfortable with yourself. You know, it's really hard to create community with people, with one another, when we're not settled and comfortable with ourselves. And God wants to take us on that journey of resurrection life where he settles us, where he teaches us to love ourselves and be happy with ourselves. And then from that place, it is so much easier to connect Who struggles to make friends? Who struggles to connect with people? Who goes along to things and just stands there and thinks, yeah, and then they go home again. God wants to settle you so you're at peace within yourself so that you can turn up at something and just be at peace and be chilled and be relaxed so that you can spend time on your own How many of us struggle to spend time on our own doing nothing? So I'm not talking about doing your jobs or doing something that needs to be done, but how many of us are comfortable to sit on our own with ourselves and no one else and be quite happy? God wants to settle us. God wants to bring peace for us within ourselves. And as he does that, then connecting us as a community becomes so much easier. Happens so much more naturally. And God wants us to belong. To belong to him and to belong with one another. So this morning I want to conclude. And I want to go back to those four points initially and say we've got to allow God to strip us bare we've got to allow God to shake us 
We've got to allow God to break away from us the things that are not right. And we've got to allow God to flow out of us. And then from that place, God will bring refreshing. God will bring hope. And God will bring connections. God wants to do something new and something fresh in your lives. You know, in Victorian times, they used to do something, again, it is a morning of peculiar stories, I think. They used to do something that were called safety coffins. Some of you may have heard of them. And basically what they used to do, because the Victorians were quite scared of being buried in the coffin, but they weren't actually dead, they used to put some string down into the coffin and that would come all the way back up to the surface. And on the surface, they would put a bell. And so that if that person who they thought was dead wasn't actually dead, they could pull the piece of string, ding, 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 and the bell would ring. I don't know whose job it was to then go and dig that person up, but that would be weird on a whole load of fronts. And it's a bit of an urban legend that that's where the phrase dead ringer comes from. Now, whether it does or not, I don't know. But you can get it, can't you? There's a dead ringer. The bell's ringing. You know, this morning, some of us feel like we're that deep down and that far gone that there's no hope for us. But you know what? When Jesus died on that cross... He actually took, just like the Victorians did. Rob, can you help me? He actually took a lifeline. You can sit down slowly. <laughs> he actually took a lifeline and he handed it to each and every one of us. And this morning, I know only Rob's got the other end of this string, but this morning each one of us does. And if we find ourselves dead and buried, if we find ourselves feeling like we're in a grave and there is no way out and we're so deep down, all we need to do is give it a pull. I don't have a bell. Ding, ding. And when, when that happens, I'm going to give you all that. You know, when that happens, God's just going to come running. God's just waiting for you to ding that bell and say, I'm not dead yet. You know, the staff in the office will know my key phrase at the minute is still alive for those of you who've watched the crudes if you've never watched it you should but there's a point where there's a granny in it and she's really old and the the dad in it doesn't really like the granny and every time they come out of the cave the cavemen they they wait a while and she doesn't come and he keeps thinking oh she's dead it's his mother-in-law and then Every time, it, it takes a bit longer every time, but she'll jump out and she'll go, still alive. You know, this morning, there needs to be some shouting that we're still alive this morning. Still alive. If you're still alive this morning.
this morning, God wants to raise you up from those places. God wants to lift you from those tombs. He no longer wants you to be dead and buried in your past, in your regret, in your hurt. But he wants you to ding that bell. He wants you to shout as loud as you can. Because as you do, that resurrection life will come. As you do, like we saw with Elisha's bones, life will spring up. As you do, like we saw when Jesus died on the cross, people's tombs were just split open and they just wandered around Jerusalem as you do. Well, we think this is really weird and strange, but actually when you read the Bible, resurrection life was a common occurrence. And so this morning, God wants it to become commonplace again for you. God no longer wants you dead and buried. God no longer wants you in your tomb, but he wants to raise you to life again.